Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Hardy. Welcome to the program. And guess what? We have a very special guest today. The beautiful, the wonderful, the always splendid Marissa is here joining us. Hi, Marissa. Hi. Hey, um, so I got a joke for you. Oh, gosh. Here we go. So um, how come oysters do not donate to charities? Why? Because they're shellfish. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> so funny. So anyways, I was out here. And I was setting equipment up and everything, and I'm kind of in awe right now, folks, because, all right, look it, we don't shy away from this, so we have like seven kids in our house. Yes, we do. So as you can imagine, Christmas time is a pretty expensive time of year for us. Yes, that is. <laughs> and it's like, you know, we don't want to necessarily spoil our kids, but knowing the history that some of these kids came from, because we adopted out of the foster system, and we have two kids that are currently in the foster system, so they all have kind of a mixed background, a mixed history with Christmas time, so... I don't want to say I purposely spoil my kids, but Marissa, would you agree that we try and make Christmas a very good time of year for them? Oh, we spoiled them. Don't yeah. don't shy away from it. We we definitely spoiled them this yeah. year. Yeah, we did. But I was just <laughs> I was just thinking about like the math behind it, and um, because if you got seven kids, if you average you know five presents a kid, we're looking at thirty five gifts. Yeah, but you know, we probably we, averaged above that though. We probably averaged between nine and ten. And we haven't wrapped anything yet. Not at all. So I actually told him that starting tonight, I'm I'm doing one kid at a time. Right, but to where remember, I'm wrapping all of them and just going with that. Was it last year where we spent like three nights in a row just wrapping presents or something like? Uh, that was the year before because last year I was at um, I was at our my friend's house. And we did it all in one night. Well, you guys did a bunch, but I thought it was last year. Right? We still ended up, you and I still end up having to wrap a bunch, right? No, that was two years ago. Oh my gosh. Why do we even wrap them? Like, can we just like stack everything in a trash bag and just be like label each one? Not everything's about you. It's about the kids. It's the excitement. Can we look it's... at the gifts are about the kids, but can we make the wrapping about us to save some time? Eh, what's the point in that? To save time. I just said it. <laughs> <laughs> I literally just said it. Like, ah. I just said it. It's the but same there's time. there's no fun in it. Oh my gosh. But wrapping, you know what? We need to find like a local fundraiser or like a local somebody who's willing to do it for like pay. They usually have those in the malls. I don't want to... I need like a group of high school girls to come to my house and I'll pay you all good money to come and start just wrapping this crap. Oh goodness gracious. <laughs> but anyways, I was thinking about it and I didn't bring this up because one of the big challenges of having a lot of kids and a lot of gifts, of course, is where do you put this stuff as you're buying it? Yeah. Right? And so right now in my studio, we are surrounded by piles and piles of toys and clothes and wrapping paper and all sorts of stuff in here. And so I was thinking just like the awe of it, like, wow, like, and there's no way, like we could not shove all this in our closet. No, we, we tried and we failed. <laughs> right. We have a decent size walk-in closet too, and we couldn't fit it all in there. And so, I mean, it's just crazy, man. That's one of the things, like, if you guys ever get in the foster care, of course, DTP at USA.com. I'd be happy to answer any questions or concerns. But one of the things that always comes up, of course, is Christmas. You want to give these kids a good Christmas. You want to do your best for them. And I've talked about this on the last podcast. I want to talk about it again because Marissa's here to kind of kind of help contribute to this testimony. Now, Acorns does not sponsor me. Okay, I'll tell you that right now. It's just one of those things I just believe in. I think it saved us, right, Marissa? Absolutely. Yeah. So Acorns, the concept is it <clears throat> takes your digital leftover change and throws it in a digital jar, which is a savings account, right? So if you guys remember back in the 90s, early 2000s, when you paid cash for a lot of stuff, you end up with a lot of change in your pockets and your purse and stuff like that. And what a lot of people would have to do is you'd get home and you would have a piggy maker. You'd have a big jar, like one of those big glass Alhambra jars from back in the days or something. People would just fill up all their change, right? They'll just dump it all up in there. And every once in a while, they'll take it to the bank, get it rolled, get it counted and stuff like that and cash it out. And so... 
Acorns is an app on your phone that um, kind of does that with your digital stuff. So every time you swipe your debit card, it takes your change and it rounds it up. And when that roundup equals about $5, it'll transfer it to a savings account for you. And they actually invest that money and kind of give you notifications of like, hey, yeah, uh, Burger King's investing your money or this money's not going to there. So that. And so not only do you save money throughout the year, but it also invests it so you can gain a little interest on it as well. Is it a massive amount? No. If you had a million dollars in there, I'm sure you'd be making some serious change. But it does help. And so we do that. And then on top of that, you can you can um, put in there how much you want to contribute on top of that. So you have the spare change for my debit card swipes. And then I think like every Sunday or Monday, like 50 bucks goes from our checking account to this account. <clears throat> so that's like 200 bucks a month plus uh, swipes and stuff like that. So by the time Christmas rolls around, we got three to $4,000 in there. It has definitely helped since we started doing that. We it's been a, It's been a few years, but right. it, it takes a lot of stress of like oh my gosh, where are we going to get the money for this? Where are we going to get the money for that? It's, we already have it save up, save, saved up. So it's it's not as difficult to try and get the money. He doesn't have to work a lot of overtime for it. It's, we already have it saved up. We just start going. And it has been a major blessing for us. And so. Yeah, and that's, that's the big thing too, is because <clears throat> in years past, you know, starting in September, October, I started just working a ton of overtime. Yeah. You know, just, just trying to get that extra three, four, five hundred bucks, sometimes a thousand bucks on the paycheck, just a little more just to pay for Christmas. So it, it's been nice. It's been, I've been able to not necessarily have to focus on working overtime. I've been able to actually enjoy staying home with the family and doing all that kind of stuff. So, and the funny part is right when he got acorns, I actually was kind of irritated about it. I was like, why do we have this? This is stupid. And now I live up and down by it and it has been fantastic and i can't ask for anything better so yeah so i mean if you don't have acorns if you have a lot of kids and stuff like that do it you can actually do it for other savings accounts and stuff as well again they don't sponsor me it's just it's helped us out a lot and if you have a lot of kids or nieces and nephews or whatever or if you just want if you just struggle saving money in general this is just an easy way to do it it makes it simple it's like hands-free you don't really have to think about it it's great stuff so yeah check out the acorns app Whew, that was a great infomercial man i wish they would pay me to say all that <laughs> That'd be great. So a weird thing came out. So the FBI recently released a study saying that homicides in the last about year and a half to two years has increased by 30%. That's interesting. Not only is that interesting, that's crazy. Well, right? Because here, here's the thing. Since the 80s, 80s used to be a, was a very violent decade. Okay. It really was. And now when people talk about school shootings and all this stuff, I used to throw this number out there because... Since the 80s, violent crime has actually been cut in half, right? Things have just really come down compared to what it was in the 70s and 80s, Okay. right? And so, and, and then suddenly we have all this going on and suddenly we have an increase of homicides by 30%. So what does the media do? They do the same thing they do with everything else, COVID, right? Everyone's starting to blame an increase in violent crime that we're seeing on COVID. Why is that? I don't know. <laughs> Why is that? I mean, we can I speculate. Th I think that's a stupid excuse. I mean, just because we hit COVID and, you know, there's been a lot of restrictions and a lot of, oh, stay indoors. Oh, don't go out and stuff like that. Just because you're bored doesn't mean, oh, I'm bored. Let's go, you know, let's go commit crimes. And, oh, I'm bored. Let's go do this and that. That's bad and we shouldn't be doing it, but we're going to do it anyway. You know what, though? You're touching on it. There, there's this concept out there. There's an old book called Utopia. 
And it's it's was considered a progressive book in its day when it was written. I want ah, man, it was written way back in like medieval times, right? But the very concept of it, Marissa just gave me like I think it was Renaissance, it's a Renaissance book. But the very concept of the book is that poverty and crime or poverty equals crime. And a lot of people just automatically accept that, right? Like if you're poor, you're committing crimes. You only commit crimes because you're poor. Right? There's Marissa, Marissa give me a look. Well, it's it's true though. I mean, they if you in in a lot of cases that's actually true. You go to the poorest neighborhoods and you find an increase in crime, an increase of drug dealing, increase of gang activity, stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. You go to richer neighborhoods, you see less of it, right? But it's not a hundred percent true. This is not a universal truth that's true no matter what. Obviously, someone who commits crimes and gains a lot of money committing those crimes uh, does not suddenly become a law-abiding citizen and start making money the right way. Of course not. Right? They continue to commit crimes, right? We see this as Marissa, actually, when her and I were discussing, preparing for the show, she pointed out um, cartels. Yeah, Pablo Escobar and all that. Right. Pablo Escobar, who had so much money, but did he stop doing what he's doing? Of course not. And I always kind of make this concept, like... If I won the lottery, I would retire, right? If I if you gave me $30 million right now, I'd be done, right? I would retire. Uh, I might do podcasting, continuing podcasting as a hobby or something like that. But if it wasn't making any money, it wouldn't bother me because I'm done. I'm set, right? But there are people who make $30 million a year and they continue working, right? There's people who build businesses from the ground up and they never relinquish them to a, a CEO or to a new president or not, or they never really sell out because, frankly, it's probably because of narcissism. Right? I mean, like, nobody else can do this job better than me. Oh, absolutely. We see that with politicians a lot, right? You got these lifelong politicians who, frankly, should probably do two or three terms and then retire and be done with it, but they won't stop because they feel like they're the best person for the job and that nobody could do it better. <laughs> Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> right? right? <laughs> perfect, perfect example. Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi probably should have retired 20 years ago. <laughs> she probably should have never ran at all, but, you know. Well, yeah, you know, probably should have, could have, would have, whatever. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, it was it was interesting observation that the media is blaming COVID, saying that, and we could reasonably deduce the same thing, saying that, well, people are bored, people are out of work, they're you know, they suddenly don't have money, they need to do this, therefore it's going to equal committing more crimes. Okay. That Again, sense. that could be true, but there's really no reason to touch on that. And in the next segment, I'm gonna to touch on what I really think is going on. Hey folks, there's a lot of people these days that are fleeing California and starting new lives elsewhere. And my friends Brian and Kim did just that. They flew off to Idaho and they started a whole new life and a whole new business. I want you guys to check out grandmaspantrypocatello.com for custom jams and jellies that are out of this world. Okay, I went up there to visit a couple months ago, did a little bit of bear hunting, and I got to try... Fell off my diet and I got to try a lot of their stuff, man. It is amazing. They have everything from spicy jams and jellies to sweet to sugar-free, whatever you need. And with the holidays coming up, if you want to introduce unique flavors to your cooking and unique flavors to your hors d'oeuvres, check out grandmaspantrypocotello.com. That's grandmaspantrypocotello.com. Rocking out to our little intro music. Jeez. Heck yeah, I am. Oh my god. Been gosh. a while since I've been on here. I know, I know. Oh man. It has been a while. Hey, uh, I have another joke for you. Okay. So did you hear about the um Italian chef that died? Nope. 
he passed away. <laughs> Man, you really are a dad. <laughs> oh my gosh. So we got this new game. Risk, tell them about this game we got. Okay. So it's called Live, Laugh, Lose. And it's a card game. It's on Amazon. It's about 20 bucks after taxes and all that. But pretty much um, you start with three joke cards and then one prompt card. Okay. So you, when it's your turn, you have the choice of, you know, saying one of the three jokes, but you have to say it the way that the prompt card is telling you to say it. So one of them could be a dad joke about math or whatever, but you have to say it like a disappointed father, right? Or another prompt could be you're screaming at the top of your lungs or, you know, you're imitating people like, you know, um, you won an Emmy or you're Donald Trump, which was one I got and I just totally hacked it. So I, I am so sorry, Donald Trump, uh, you know, stuff like that. And it's, it's really fun because even our older kids got into it and it was, it was really fun to, you know, do as a family. So if you're looking for a good family game, an easy game. Yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely recommend that one. Yeah, it is funny. Like, you, you basically, they'll give you a dad joke to tell. And pretty much the jokes are all clean, right? Like, it's not like... No, there ha there wasn't any, no, right. there wasn't so, any dirty jokes. Yeah. Darn. So you get a dad joke to tell, <laughs> and then it tells you how to say it. So it'll be like, oh, say it like an Italian chef, or say it like you're on Broadway, or say it, you know... Like I just described? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just... <laughs> I'm mansplaining. Oh, gosh. I'm mansplaining go. everything... <laughs> She caught me, and it's recorded. Dang it. <laughs> All right. So anyways, uh, in the last segment, we started talking about, um, what were we talking about? <laughs> uh, media blaming COVID. Yeah, the media is blaming COVID for all this increase in crime, right? <laughs> now, I want to kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about what I think is the real increase, and I think anybody with common sense who actually works in the, this line of work or, or understands this sees it. So... A while back, there was a national discussion that started that was talking about bail reform. Now, obviously, bail is not a federal issue. Well, it could be, I guess, with certain federal courts. But it's more of a state and county level stuff. But people started discussing bail reform. So what is bail, right? You get arrested. You get charged with a crime. And bail is a certain amount of money you can put up that allows you to be released so you can defend yourself. Right? And so then there's an obvious problem that comes with that. What if you're poor? Well, what if you're broke? Well, that's when bail bondsmen come in. So bail bondsman comes in and he says, hey, look, I will take care of this guy. I will make sure he makes it back to court, right? That's the ultimate goal. I want to make sure he makes it back to court. And he's only going to pay me 10% of whatever your bail is, right? So if you post a 10 or if the judge sets a $10,000 bail, okay, you could pay bail bondsman $1,000, right? And then they'll let you out. Right? And the bail bondsman is like a guarantor, like, hey, I'm going to keep tabs on this guy, and I'm going to make sure he makes it back to court. In theory, if the guy doesn't make it back to court, then the bail bondsman has to pay the $10,000. And I say in theory because when I was working as a bailiff, I saw this a lot of times, where a bail bondsman will basically forfeit the bail. So basically the guy absconds, he goes off the radar, the bail bondsman doesn't know where he's at. Instead of paying that $10,000, he comes into court and says, hey, we don't know where he is, we lost him. The judge says, okay, I'm going to revoke bail, and I'm going to issue a warrant out for his arrest. Okay, so then the bail bondsman doesn't have to pay nothing, right? So the bail bondsman comes along, they get the guy out of jail, the guy flees, and the bail bondsman's still not being punished for getting that guy out of jail, right? So there's an obvious issue that can come up with that, right? Because some people looked at that as a loss of revenue, like, hey, this guy was supposed to pay us 10 grand, he didn't, this guy paid us, uh, and now this guy's supposed to pay us 10 grand, and he's not going to do it either, right? So 
But it doesn't matter. It's government. Government's not supposed to make any amount of money anyways besides just regular tax revenue or what they need to function. But that's a different conversation. So anyways, that's the issue that comes up, right? So then people are like, well, what if you're poor? What if you're broke? What if you're homeless, right? Indigent is what they call it, right? You have, you, you can't pay, you can't even, you have nothing, right? How is that fair? That people that have money can get out of jail and make and prepare their defense and people that don't have money are just stuck to rot in jail, right? And let's say you're, you're not homeless, but let's say you're just lower middle class, right? Or just in the, below the poverty line. Now you're stuck in jail. Maybe you're, you are living paycheck to paycheck. You're paying half your rent, whatever it is. Now your family might be suffering because you're stuck in jail. Well, obviously the theory is that's when the bail bondsman would come in, right? Because a rich person is probably not going to pay a bail bondsman. He's just going to pay the 10 grand, right? That's, that's usually how they operate. Now, a lot of people, including maybe many of these listeners, are probably going to think, well, that kind of makes sense, right? There's obviously a problem there if somebody who um, is lower middle class or even below the poverty line has to sit and rot in jail and not be able to work and provide for his family as opposed to someone who has money, right? So they start reforming these bails. And now you have systems that are zero cash bails, right? So you don't have to pay anything. A lot of people, they redefine things and now they get released on their own recognizance. So instead of posting bail or, or anything, the judge just say, hey, here's the next court date. We're letting you out, okay? And then comes other problems, um, the people who can't pay at all, right? You got the homeless people who are like, okay, well, I would post bail, but there's absolutely no way this guy can pay the money. So the judge just lets them go, not necessarily on their own recognizance, but zero bail. Um, and obviously for more serious crimes, you could post a very high bail, a million dollar bail, something like that. But I think it's technically unconstitutional for your, um, what do they call it? Like an unreasonable bail amount, right? And I've seen lawyers argue that saying, Hey, this bail is just too high. So a lot of states, what they did is they have a bail scale, so it's not really on the judge to figure it out or anybody else. It's just to say, it's for these crimes that are being charged, this is the amount of money we post. And sometimes that's $600,000, sometimes that's a million dollars, whatever it is, right? They kind of, they, they can work that out in court. But again, a lot of these places started thinking, okay, well, it's not fair to poor people that rich people can bail out and they can't, so we should reform these systems, right? And now what you have is you have people that get arrested and they don't stay in jail. Right? Sometimes they don't even make it to jail. They just get cited with the court date. Okay, Now you have people that um, go to jail, and instead of staying there, they come right out, and they go right back to attacking the person or stalking the person they got arrested for stalking or whatever it is. Right, You basically are creating a cycle and not keeping these people in jail. Because here's the reality of the system. Oh, by the way, if anyone's wondering, Marissa's still here. Marissa, say hi. Hi. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry I'm talking about a very boring topic, and so she's just kind of going listening. But anyways... So here's, here's, the, here's the reality of the system. If you have the money to post bail, even if you're just going through a bail bondsman and, and posting the 10% of the bail, okay, you're more likely to show up at court. Okay, And the reason why is because if you have the money to post bail, that means you have a job, you have a career, you have a business. Okay, If you have those things, you're also likely to have family. A wife, kids, people who are invested in the community, right? People who have money to post bail are not posting bail, selling their houses, and moving out of the country. Even the millionaires aren't doing that. They hang around, they fight their stuff. They don't want to look over their shoulder, right? So if you have the money, you're invested in the community. Who's more likely to flee and never come back to court? The poor. They got nothing to lose, right? If you're homeless... And you're facing a serious charge and they say, well, he's indigent. There's no way he could ever post bail. 
Uh, he's never really been in trouble before. Um, we're going to go ahead and let him out now. Just, hey, sir, make sure you make it back to your court date. Okay, yeah, no problem. Guess, w- who, never, guess who never shows up? I wouldn't show up. Of course not. You got nothing to lose. Right? You hop on the train, go to the next community. How often do you actually have police contact? Not a lot. Right. Because in Hollywood, they make it look like that cops get these, these, uh, these wanted flyers and posters, and they go out looking for these people all the time. Do we get those? Sure. Okay, but what are the odds of me actually coming across that individual? Slim to zip, <laughs> right? What we do is we contact people, get their identity from them. We run it through a system, either in our car computer or we have dispatch run it through their computers, and that's how we find people who are wanted. But you can go years. I mean, if you're a typical person who like never gets pulled over, never really has police contact, you can go years and never have police contact again, right? So that was the thing. The system on its surface looked unfair, Right, because they're like, well, again, the rich can pay, the poor can't. This is an unfair system. It's an unjust system. So they implement this wonderful thing called social justice to try and fix the system. And basically, what it is is not even equality; it's equity. So basically, we're gonna say, hey, well, if you got money, you're gonna keep being punished, and we're gonna dislike you for whatever reason, or you're gonna have to post bail. And if you don't have money, that we got, we gotta somehow make the system fair. And we're just gonna let you go without having to post anything. And of course, the people that don't have money have nothing to lose, and they disappear. Okay. Now, I'm building up to something. There's a reason why I'm doing this big, boring topic. And it's because something happened recently, and it really bothered me as I'm watching it on TV and I'm watching it unfold. Because apparently an SUV drove by nobody, driven by nobody, according to the media, just an SUV by itself, plowed into a Christmas parade and killed six people. Has anybody heard this story? An SUV, because that's the way they describe it. Okay, an SUV plowed into a Christmas parade and killed six people. Not the not someone driving an SUV. Yeah, apparently, according to the media, this was a self-driving car of some sort. Oh, that's right, cool. because they never mentioned the individual named Daryl Brooks. Okay, the African American individual named Daryl Brooks, who is a Black Lives Matter sympathizer, who is part of numerous groups and organizations that are very anti-white and anti-cop who has posted videos online basically expressing racism towards white people, they don't want to mention him. They don't want to mention this individual. They just say that it's the the SUV that plowed through a crowd. All right, and we're back. So as you can imagine, I'm pretty fired up about this. Like, this really bothers me. I We can tell. And the reason why is, it, I think it's just the hypocrisy behind it. Because here's the thing, if, if Mr. Brooks was a white Trump supporter, a white supremacist, you know what, he could be a white supremacist that votes Democrat. Okay, the media would be all over that. Like, it wouldn't be an SUV hit a, hit a group of people at a Christmas parade. Okay? It wouldn't be an SUV fly, fleeing from a knife fight hit a group of people at a, at a Christmas parade. Right? It would be Trump supporter murders innocent people. Trump supporter does this. Trump supporter. They wouldn't even call it an SUV. They would call it Trump supporter. Even if he wasn't. If he was a white guy, it would be a Trump supporter. Right? Every single time. And it's the hypocrisy of the media that just drives me insane. Because it doesn't fit their agenda. Yeah. And you know what? This isn't... Here's the thing. Maybe, maybe I have this big, long thing about it. Marissa, what are you doing? Sorry. It's my phone case. Sorry. <laughs> Is it glittery or something? Yeah. Folks, I look over and she's literally <laughs> shaking her case. Like, talk about ADD. <laughs> Cause she has one of those glittery phone cases that like the glitter like moves like in water or something like that. So she's just like checking. She's like in awe of her new phone case. 
I just got it, okay? Oh my gosh. I'm like, I'm like fired up about this thing. I'm like going off on my big preaching rant. And I look over and Marissa's just shaking her little phone case, looking up. Oh my gosh. You love me. I do. You know, it reminds me of Dexter's Laboratory. Dee Dee, don't touch yeah, that you're button. Yeah, you're Dee You're Dee What does that button do? <laughs> like, let me do this awesome thing. Oh, look at them. Look at this. Look at the butterflies. Whatever it is. Oh my gosh. So anyways, but yeah, it's just, here's the thing. The media, going back to this, uh... The media has always had like this thing against SUVs. I, I remember back in the 90s and the early 2000s listening to Rush Limbaugh with my dad and they'd be reading headlines, SUV falls off a parking garage and crushes cars down below. Not that a car fell off, you know, SUV uh, gets in terrible accident and, and kills a toddler. You know, there'd be all these studies, SUVs are less safe, SUVs are gas guzzlers, SUVs should, you know, they destroy the road, should pay more in registration. It was like this weird war against SUVs for some reason. And are they less safe? No, not really. Okay, they, they say they are because they're more prone to rollover than a regular car is. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you right now, as someone who's been working as a cop for 11 years, it's actually pretty rare that cars just roll over. <laughs> like, it's not every minor <laughs> accident, you know, it's like... It's like they have to be doing like a hundred plus getting a serious accident, you know, and it, at that at that speed it doesn't matter whether you're an SUV or not, right? But it's just so weird. And and I saw this wonderful tweet where um, because they actually did an interview, Fox News did an interview with Daryl Brooks while he was in prison, and Daryl Brooks mentioned that he feels like he's being dehumanized, and somebody responded to it, and their comment was, "Well, that's because everyone keeps calling him an SUV," <laughs> right? But it's just so weird. They're so determined to say it was the SUV that did it, and not. The, the person that drove it. Right. And not the individual who was an activist for leftist causes and stuff like that. And like extreme activists, you know, and stuff like that. And this isn't a reflection of Black Lives Matter, by the way. I mean, I've, I've been on the front lines of a lot of those protests and there's a lot of good people out there who, who have legitimate concerns and stuff like that. Like it's the organization itself I have issue with. And of course, radicals like these who get inspired by the rhetoric and everything else and do these things are crazy. And that's that's what my big frustration with a lot of stuff is. I mean, I've had fights with friends and stuff over this because... Sure, are there bad cops in the world? Yeah, but you know what? They're also bad teachers, okay? <laughs> like, like, stuff happens. We get it. But when you spread the rhetoric and these biased um, news articles and these biased tweets and posts and stuff like that that you know people think are making some solid point about cops or anything like that, you're spreading rhetoric that somebody who's borderline crazy like Daryl Brooks just sucks that stuff up like a sponge. And then he mm -hmm. goes out and does something violent, right? And yeah. I've had this conversation with people. I'm like, look, maybe you're posting a news article but it's a bias article. It's an opinion piece. It, you know, it, it doesn't even state the facts of the case and it makes cops look bad. And as a result, it's putting my life at risk. You know, and I've had good friends who are like, well, Brent, you're one of the good ones. You're one of the good cops. This isn't about you. Well, no, it is about me because the bad guy that's going to read that who decides he's going to go ambush random cops one day doesn't know me. Right? When you spread lying rhetoric like that, you're, you're putting your local cops in danger. I and mean, we saw this with the George Floyd case, right? Some cop in, what was that, Michigan or wherever? I thought it was New York. No, no, no. Uh, it was the Midwest someplace. Somewhere. Right? I, I think it was Michigan, but I, I'd have to look it up. You know, he does something stupid. A man dies. And suddenly we have we have people protesting in California. We have people protesting in New York. They're protesting in Florida. They're protesting in, in Texas. Why? Go protest there. Right? Go protest in the city where that happened at. Oh, Chicago. That was Chicago. No. No. Wow. You have your glittery phone. Look it up. Hey, you know what? Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> now we have to solve this. Well, what bothers me is that, you know, you bring up the whole, like, yeah, you know, there are bad cops, but then there are also good cops. And, you know, bring up the whole, well, there's bad 
you know, there are people that are not really good at what they do in every single profession. And that's just how it is. But I hate it when people go, well, you know, I understand that, but you know, no cop should be bad and like this is ridiculous and da 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 da. And I've had I've had arguments about this with people, you know, friends that I have and all this all this other stuff and it's like It's Minnesota, by the way. Thank you. And, you know, while I understand that, that's just life. Like it it just happens. You know, I totally lost my train of thought when you brought up the whole Minnesota thing. Like everything went, whew. so. Look at your glittery phone, Kristen. It's fine. <laughs> Dee Dee? <laughs> it was funny the first time. It's starting to not get funny. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I'll sleep on the couch tonight, baby. You don't even have to tell me. It's good. No, sleep outside with the dogs. <laughs> I need to build a better dog house. Anyways, um, now I lost my train of thought. But no, no, you're right. Like, it's ridiculous. I like to use teachers as an example, right? Every once in a while, we get some story out there about a teacher who had an inappropriate relationship with a kid or a teacher who said something racist or a teacher that cut somebody's hair or a teacher that, you know, did something crazy. But we're not going out uniting ourselves and protesting against all teachers, right? That one bad teacher is an individual who made a bad decision. Sometimes they're a good teacher who may have had a bad day. Sometimes they're just a bad teacher or something that should have never been a teacher in the first place. But regardless, we're not protesting all teachers. We all generally love and respect our teachers, right? So why can't we do that with our police officers? Well, I'll tell you why, okay? Uh, honestly, it's because of progressivism, right? Remember, I've explained this before, but if you, if you listen to the show, just bear with me. But cops are an easy bad guy if you're a leftist. Right? Cops are an easy bad guy. One, because most cops are right-leaning anyways. Okay? Cops are not a big voting class for the Democrat Party. They're not. Very few cops in general vote for Democrats. Okay? And there's lots of reasons as to why, but we can just safely say that most cops will not vote Democrats. Okay? On top of that, there's very few of them. Right? You got about 750,000 cops in the U.S. Right? Less than a million out of the 335 million people that exist in the United States, less than a million of them are police officers. Okay, so not only are they not a voting class for the Democrat Party, but there's also very few of them. Unlike teachers who are a voting class for the Democrat Party, the teachers union is very powerful and a big supporter of the Democrat Party. And there's a lot of teachers. Okay, so you, you think of it that way, right? So cops are very safe. So you can scapegoat cops and say, hey, people in this in this community, uh, those big bad police officers are the problem. And they're the bad guys here. Vote for me and I'll fix it. Right? And that's easy. Because one, you don't have to worry about pissing off the cops or their families because they're not going to vote for you anyways. So it doesn't matter. You don't have to make them happy. And two, everybody relates. Because everybody, including myself, has had a story about a negative run-in with a police officer. Maybe it was as simple as getting a speeding ticket when you didn't think you deserved it. Maybe it was your buddy got yelled at. Maybe your drunk friend at a bar got slammed by a police officer. Right? Or, or maybe it was something else. But everyone either has a story of negative contact with a police officer themselves, has witnessed negative contact with a police officer they thought was inappropriate, or of course they know of some story because they see it on, on the internet or on the news. Right? So when you say cops are the bad guys, a lot of people instantly relate because they go back to that negative comment, the contact. Right? Now, is every contact negative? Of course not. Remember, if I pulled you over and I wrote you a ticket, you could tell me that story three years from now. If you've ever gotten a ticket from a cop, you can tell... Marissa, you've gotten tickets from cops, right? I've only gotten one. Okay, but you can tell that whole story. Yeah. 
right? Like you remember what you're doing, what pulled over. Was it a male or female cop? Male. Young guy, older guy? Mm, middle-aged. Middle-aged? Was he handsome? Was he better than me? What? Was he more... Why did I, I mean, turn I into mean, this all of a sudden? Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> that got weird. Um, but no, you could tell that story, right? Oh, absolutely. And what did he write you a ticket for? Uh, looking at my phone. Looking at your phone while driving? Distracted yeah. driving? Yeah, literally. It, and what was funny is that it was one of those, my oldest daughter was like, hey, look at this really quick. And I look at my screen because something popped up on my screen. I literally looked for two seconds. I put it down because I was driving with the kids. And then literally right as soon as I did that, I look up and wee, wee, wee. And, and this I'm happened like, oh. like this happened like three years ago, right? It was a year ago. A year ago. No, year and a half. Uh, year and a half ago. About a year and a half ago. Okay. Does that cop remember you? No. Of course not. Okay. Why? Because you might have been one of ten stops he did that day. Right. Yeah. You might have been one of three or four tickets he wrote that day. Yeah, probably. You might have been one of twelve tickets he wrote that day. Now let me tell you something else. That's not the first time you've been pulled over, though, right? No, I've been pulled over a lot. That sounds bad. That's <laughs> okay. Not, I've count. I can count it on this, one hand. Okay. This is not a put Marissa on the spot. Okay. <laughs> I know these stories. I'm not trying to get something out of her. I promise. No, you I. But here's the thing. But you've been pulled over before. Oh, I have. Okay, so tell me about another time you've been pulled over. Uh, so I was driving back from Nevada, and I was going down a hill. I was going a little bit too fast. I I wasn't paying attention to how fast I was going. I was just focused on getting home. I was tired. I was visiting a friend. And then literally I'm going down one of the hills. I didn't realize, you know, my car, you know, naturally I'm faster down a hill and I was going like 90 miles an hour and the light goes on behind me and I'm like, oh crap. So I pull off off the side of the road and I turn off my car and. I'll so I'm going to pause you right there. So you remember the details of this story. Oh, I absolutely do. Male or female that pulled you over? Male. CHP or, or local PD? Uh, CHP, super sweet. I remember because he was he was a he was super tall, not he not like super heavy, but like he had some he had some meat on his bones. He was Samoan, which was really cool, and that's okay. one of those things that. So you remember all these details, right? I do, and okay. I remember the conversation. Does he remember you? No, probably not. Again, because you might have been one of twenty stops he did that day, right? And yeah. he didn't write you a ticket, but maybe he wrote 10 other tickets that day. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So that's my point. Everybody has a story about police officers. I can tell you, I have this weird thing that every time I've been pulled over and written speeding tickets twice in my life, and both times were on Sunday mornings. One was going to church and one was leaving church. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> right? But I can tell you, I can tell you the details of these stories. Right? I can tell you, same thing. Male, white cop, middle age, whatever. You know, and both times were times where I didn't feel like I deserved that ticket. But they wrote them anyways. Right. So, I mean, these are frustrating. So when someone comes out and makes cops the bad guy. Right. People resonate with that. Right. They, they remember that. They're like, oh, yeah, they, you know, it feels true to them because of a negative. Is it true? Of course not. But it feels true. Yeah. Right. And that's the issue. So you got politicians, progressive leaders, all these people who capitalize on that to basically get votes. Now, let me tell you something. Is there anything any politician in Washington could actually do to change the way your local cops police? Nope. No. They don't control that. But they like to think they can, and then they use that to get more votes, and then nothing changes. Right, because they can't mad. change anything. People now, get mad. a great example of this, right? Obama, one of his campaign things in 2008, he campaigned on global warming. Right? <laughs> Remember, he famously got up, and he had these Greek pillars on his stage, and he was like... We're going to slow down the rise of the seas and we're going to do all this. He doesn't have that power. Did he do anything in eight years for climate change? No. No. What do they do? Tax people and throw more money at something? 
Sorry, but if climate change is real, if it's really happening, we can't stop it, folks. There's nothing we can do. And then but it... these politicians will run on it as if they're going to do something. Same thing with racism, right? There is no law you can pass in Washington, D.C. to put a stop to real racism. There's nothing you can do. So why are we believing these idiots when they get on the campaign on this stuff? It's ridiculous. And then I, I forgot what what the bill was that Biden signed, but it was one of the largest bills in terms of money, like the amount of money was going to go into this um, bill. It was like one point something trillion or something like that. The climate change thing? Yeah. It was the uh, the, the international deal thing. Trump yeah, actually yeah. got but us then, out of it. But, yeah, but it was... what's funny is I was watching a video about it. Um, remember how AOC brought up the whole, like, the green whatever. The Green New Deal, yeah. Yeah. The 24-page bill yeah. or whatever, yeah. But what's funny is that that has, it, it's in there. That that whole green bill, whatever, is in the new bill that Biden just signed. Right. Like, it's all the way at the bottom, and it's talking about, like, the EPCO police or something like that, and mm. then, like, you know, pay for, like, the classes for the, like, the eco cops or something like that. And it's, like, this whole crazy well, thing, and it's, like, it. how does that change? Because they won't, they won't call it the Green New Deal. No, of course not. They you just know, hit it as something else. Yeah. Like how all, you know, Democrats They just do. earmark it as some other big package or some big bill, you know, and it's the, um, the build back better plan, right, is what they're doing. And so they're, they're signing this big old multi-trillion dollar bill. Keep in mind, the revenue of the federal government is like $6 trillion and we spend about 7 to $8 trillion, right? Uh. That's, that's, that's our national debt just building every single year. Right, because the House of Representatives can never get their ducks in a row to actually balance the budget, actually get below that, so we're no longer hemorrhaging money in the United States. I mean, we're up to like what thirty trillion dollars in national debt now. Okay, and every year they just add to it, right? So when they pass this big old infrastructure bill, and they're like, "Oh yeah, it's, it's four trillion dollars." Well, guys, I don't know if it was really four trillion dollars. I'm just throwing a number there, but keep in mind if you remember that our federal revenue, tax revenue, is about six to seven trillion dollars. Right, seven hundred and fifty billion of that will just go to military. Right, so where is this other three, four, five trillion dollars coming from? When they when they say two trillion dollars, where is that coming from? That's not coming out of the regular budget. No, that's all just borrowed money. Right, and who buys up that debt? China. But anyways, we totally digress on this. But the point is, though, <laughs> if you understand your local government and you understand politicians and their roles, then you understand what they can do and what they can't do. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's important. Okay. I get, I, I follow on Twitter, uh, disturbing the peace Twitter page follows Bernie Sanders. And every time Bernie Sanders gets on there and starts talking about big pharma and how greedy big pharma is, well, keep in mind, big pharma has to comply with literally billions of dollars of regulations every year. So instead of calling them greedy, why doesn't Bernie Sanders go ahead and just look at those regulations and cut what we can and make it cheaper for big pharma or any pharmaceutical company to operate? Right, but they won't. They they look at them as the bad guy instead of looking at themselves. We can, for a smaller scale, we can look at our local gas pumps. Right, for every gallon of gas sold, you could break down that price of how much of it actually goes to your state taxes, how much of it goes to your county taxes, how much of it goes to federal taxes. And if price of gas got too high, you don't really hear these politicians coming out and saying, "Hey, let's eliminate these taxes and you know eliminate this burden from the people." Of course not. They talk about how big oil is the bad guy. Right, they don't change what they can change. They only they only talk about what they can't change. And they run on these platforms of saying, I'm going to change something that they really can't change. But that really just goes back to who's low information, who's not. Folks, thank you for being here. Marissa, do you have anything you want to add? Nope. 
right, oh, oh, wait, there is one thing. Uh-oh. Uh, earlier, you brought up that you had two tickets. Two tickets to what? You, you, you got written two tickets, correct? Yeah. Okay, fine. So you have more than me. <laughs> I will always gloat in that. I'm about to do a whole another segment just like tell these stories of how I got these tickets. No. <laughs> no, it's your truth. It's okay. It's, it's your my truth. truth. Oh, I hate that. My truth <laughs> and your truth. Oh, what terrible phrases. It's not even true. Well, thank you for letting me be on here today. No, thank you for joining me, baby. I love you. I love you too. Bye. Bye. Yay!